The text for the sermon this afternoon is the Word of God as we have summarized it and confessed it in the Hutterberg Catechism, Lord's Day 52, question and answer 127. Let's read that question and answer now. What is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is, in ourselves we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. Moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, do not cease to attack us. Will you, therefore, uphold and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat, but always firmly resist our enemies until we finally obtain the complete victory? Thus far, our confession. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the Lord's Prayer, that last petition, the sixth petition, probably prompts the most questions. What exactly are we praying here? Does God lead us into temptation? Does God try to make us sin? And are we asking him not to do that? Now, as we consider that question, we need to, in the first place, understand what the word temptation means. There are two meanings in Scripture for the Greek word that we translate as temptations. There's two senses to the word. In fact, if you look at James 1, you will see the same Greek word used in two different ways, those two different ways. In the first place, the word can refer to tests or trials. James 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Hebrews eleven seventeen has the same, same word used there, God tested, literally tempted Abraham. Now this is something that is done with the intent of proving or showing the strength of one's faith. So the sense of the word used there is to show the strength. It's not to draw into sin. Now the other sense of the word is to indeed tempt with the intent of drawing into sin. We see James use that word with that sense in verse 13. He says there, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So when we look at the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, we are not asking God not to cause us to sin. 
That is something that is impossible for him to do. And so we do not ask him that. But that raises another question. Are we asking God not to lead us into a situation where he will be able to try our faith, where he will be able to prove or test the quality of the faith that he has given us? Are we asking here in this petition, Lord, never do that? So the question still remains, what are we asking in this petition? A way that's been used to explain this is by using the illustration of a soldier in war. Now a soldier in war will say that he does not want to be in a battle. However, he's a soldier and and fighting is, is something that he has to do. He knows that. But at the same time, he doesn't live for it. He doesn't sit there and say, oh, I can't wait to get in harm's way. I can't wait for people to try and kill me. I can't wait for the bullets to fly at me. Now, a normal soldier does not say that. And one who does say that probably has no idea what combat is about. Now, a soldier may pray in this situation, Lord, lead us not into battle. But if we must go, if we must fight, then give us the strength and bring us through. And that's the sense of what we're asking here in this petition. And parents, parents pray the same thing for their children. Lord, let my children not deal with illness or with personal tragedy. But if they do, give them strength and bring them through. And we pray it for ourselves. We don't look forward to things that will cause us pain, that will try us, that will test us. But we pray that if we do go through it, we have the strength we need from God. If we have to go there, we ask the Lord, if we have to go there, deliver us from the enemy. Now notice that us. Notice the communal in this petition. It's not deliver me. It's not deliver them. No, it's deliver us. We are in a common situation, a common plight against a common enemy. An enemy that is so strong. The Heidelberg Catechism actually speaks of three enemies, three enemies that are all aligned, seen together. They're enemies that constantly attack us. This afternoon, we're going to look at those enemies and we're going to look at what God has given us in this petition. The first enemy the Heidelberg Catechism identifies, is the devil. The Lord Jesus commands his disciples to pray, deliver us from the evil one. Now the first thing we need to notice here is that it is a person. It's not a force. This is not deliver us from some evil force that exists in the universe. Deliver us from evil situations. No, He is referring to a person. Satan is a creature. There are devils. There are individuals who are aligned against us. Evil ones. 
and they are led by the evil one. Their commander-in-chief, Satan. Now, Satan is indeed a creature. He can't be everywhere at once. But he is indeed powerful. He is a foe who is beyond us. And in this petition, we confess that. We confess before the Lord, he is too much for me. Deliver me. Peter learns the strength of the evil one. Learns the strength of Satan in Luke 22. We read that earlier. In Luke 22, verse 31, the Lord Jesus says to to Peter, uses his, his original name, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. It's like with Job. Satan has asked the Lord for permission to do something to Peter. And he has not been denied that. God has allowed Satan to sift Peter. And Jesus warns him about that. Verse 31, he warns him again. In verse 40, he warns him again in verse 46 about not falling into temptation. But Peter did not understand that strength. He thought he could bear it. He says, I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die for you. I'm strong enough. But in verse 62, he realizes the strength of that enemy as he kneels outside the high priest's house and weeps. He weeps at his failure. He weeps at what Satan did to him. But there's gospel in those tears. Christ prayed for Peter. Peter didn't pray, but Jesus did. Peter's closer to the Lord in those tears than he was when he thought he was strong. Peter learned. Peter learned the strength of Satan. And much later he would speak of the devil, of Satan, as a roaring lion. Peter knows. He learned. And how often don't we learn the same way? How often do we not go into battle unprepared? We we have not put on the armor of God. We, We go in on our own strength. And how easily are we defeated? And perhaps that stings as much as the defeat. Not simply that we were defeated, but that we were defeated so easily. Now you look up something innocent on the internet, perhaps a a YouTube video that somebody posts on Facebook. You click on the link and there's an ad all of a sudden on the side. Next thing you know, you're clicking away. Or you go into a situation and something happens and you get so mad so quickly. Perhaps it's at your wife or your husband, a brother or a sister, child. For some reason, you're driven along. You're pushed. And you fall. Or we enter situations where we know there will be challenges, but we think we are strong. Or we think the situation contains no challenges, and we don't even need to think about being strong. We're not even thinking about somebody who might be working against us. 
working to use that situation to cause us to fall. We forget or we choose to underestimate our enemy. So know that enemy. Know that he is powerful. And know his character. He is a liar. That's how Jesus describes him, John 8, 44. He is the liar and the father of all lies. The deceiver. That colors his activity in this world, in your life. He is bent on one thing, and that is to separate you from your heavenly father. He whispers lies to you again and again. He moves you to think that sin is not that big a deal. That you can be comfortable here when you go away from the Lord. That's a lie. When you go down that path, you will discover that it is not a happy place. You will discover the loneliness of being away from your father. But he doesn't tell you that. He tells you the lie that it is okay. He moves us to question the existence of God. He whispers it into our ears. Moves us to cling on by our fingernails. We're pushed along those thoughts. And when the shadow passes... When the night ends, we we wonder, why did I think that? The truth is so plain to me now. But he works on us. Or he moves us to question the reliability of his word or his faithfulness to his promises. God will not do what he has said he will do. Or he moves us to question God's love and his forgiveness. That is the cruelness of the way Satan works. He pushes you to sin, and then when you fall, he turns around and switches roles from being the deceiver to being the accuser. And he says, how could you be so wicked? You will never be forgiven now. You are pathetic. God will not take you back. He will not forgive you. That is a lie. But that's how Satan works. That's how our enemy works against us. He wants to separate us from God. It's a war. And he uses strategy. Many of you have read the screw tape letters. You see there in that book how Lewis so beautifully shows how the devil uses strategy. It's all about separating us from God, making us reject God. So when we pray this petition, we pray confessing to God that we are not strong enough. We're saying, don't let us face that enemy. But if we face him, protect us and equip us by your Holy Spirit. But when we pray this petition, we also confess 
that the devil is under the Lord's power. He is an enemy that can be defeated and who has been defeated. Christ has defeated him. And so when we pray this petition, we pray knowing that he is not an invincible foe. We can stand against him in God's power, in Christ. There is another enemy that works against us, and that is the world. And when we talk about the world, we don't mean the world of John 3.16, the world that God so loved. We mean the world that is spoken of in 1 John 5.19, the whole world which is under the control of the evil one, as John says there. The world refers here to those who have bought into the lie. They're the ones who are aligned with the evil one, with the devil. Now they may not acknowledge that. They may not say, yes, I'm in league with, with the devil. But they have indeed fallen in with him. They have bought into the lie and they live it. They embrace it. They think that this is it. They think there's nothing wrong with the world. And that world is an enemy. That world, it attacks us. It attracts us. It tries to pull us away from Christ and to itself. And we see this also with, with Peter and his denials. Peter didn't realize the power of the world. You know, he went into that courtyard of the high priest thinking that he was strong enough for the world, strong enough for those who are opposed to God. You know, if this was a movie, if we made a movie about what Peter did here, I think Hollywood would portray him as the hero. Think about that, how he did this. Peter, he went right into the enemy camp. What a noble act. What a champion. Look at him. Walking right into the middle of the courtyard of the high priest who was holding Jesus captive. Would you dare to do that? Well, Peter, Peter did. Isn't he incredible? But Jesus wasn't impressed with that. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that Peter overestimated himself and underestimated what that world could do to him. The world was too strong for Peter, and he failed. You can see him being separated from Christ stage by stage. Three times he's asked. Three times he goes farther and farther and farther away from Christ. I'm not with him. I'm not one of his disciples. I'm not even from the same region that he's from. Peter falls. It's something that we have to live with as we live in this world. We have a tricky relationship with the world. We're part of the world, but yet we're distinct from the world. And belonging to Christ actually puts us in enmity, puts us in opposition to the world. And that opposition, it wears on us. The danger to us is that we become conformed, like, like jello. We get formed to the shape of the world. That we get worn down 
and we're formed by the world, not by Christ. And so often we fall in this area. We're concerned about what the world thinks about us. Think about it as you go into your, your jobs. How often are you proud to let people know that you're a Christian? Or do you fear that when they know that, they will snicker? Say, you actually believe all that stuff? That's for weak-minded people. And so what do you believe about origins? About how the world came to be? You believe that about women? You think that men are supposed to lead? You believe that about gays? So often we are concerned about what the world will think about us. We're ashamed of the gospel. And we hide it. Or we're ashamed about what the world will do to us. What we will lose. We desire to be accepted by the world. It touches every single one of us. It's interesting, a number of years ago I read a quote in a magazine where a scholar said, it used to be that Christian academics asked how their faith could impact their discipline. Now, they ask how their discipline can impact their faith. It's been switched around. The world impacts their faith. And how often do we not care more about what the world thinks than what God thinks? Now, in this petition, we say, I'm not content with that. I know the world is too strong for me. I know that I cannot stand against it or in opposition to it on my own. I know that Satan rules this world and I hate it. I hate what the world will do to me, how it will separate me from you, Lord. Give me strength. This petition calls us to live in the world wearing our armor, wearing the armor of God. The whole armor to be identified by the uniform of Christ, to put on everything, truth, faith, peace, righteousness, salvation, spirit, word, put it all on, be identified by Christ. Take everything that God has given you and wrap yourselves in it. Identify by that, not by the world's standards. And pray. Paul says to the Ephesians, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Pray for yourself, pray for others. Paul says, even pray for me. He says, pray for me that I may proclaim the gospel as I should, that he not be conformed to the world or ashamed or afraid. Pray. And God will pull you through. That is his promise in his petition. 
even when Peter fell before the world. The rooster crowed. God pulled him back. Christ looked. Peter wept. We don't have to fear the world as an invincible enemy. Christ said to his disciples, John 16, 33, same same context as Luke 22. He's warning them that they're going to fall away. The world is going to oppress them. And he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Christ has won the battle. So pray this petition in the confidence that with God you can face the assault of the world. There's one more enemy that our Heidelberg Catechism speaks of. We can't blame the devil and the world for all our sins. We can't blame Satan for everything. Sometimes we, we do that. We find him behind every nook and cranny. The devil made me do it. Can't blame the world for it. Oh, it's this media culture. we had a better environment, we would be perfect. No, the world is what makes us sin. No, we are not simply acted on and moved to sin. There is something inside us that attacks us as well. The Hutterberg Catechism calls this our flesh. Now, in Scripture, the word flesh doesn't simply refer to the physical. I think sometimes we can have that idea that the spiritual, the non-physical, that is, that is perfection, and then the bodily, the physical, that, that is evil. That's not what Scripture means by the flesh. The flesh is indeed the opposite of spiritual, in the sense that it is the opposite of what is pleasing to God. In Scripture, flesh, sinful flesh, refers to everything that is connected to our sinful nature in Adam. Everything connected to our fallen nature. That is flesh. And that is our enemy. That is one of our enemies. And we can see the flesh at work in Peter. And we already saw that Peter was sifted by Satan, by the evil one. The devil was attacking him. And we saw that Peter was being attacked by the world, being worn down by the world. We see these two enemies defeat him. But we also see that Peter's own sinful flesh was attacking him. Look at Luke 22. We began reading at verse 24. There's that little paragraph before the Lord Jesus says, Simon, Simon. What's going on in that paragraph? It says there also a dispute arose among them as to who was the greatest. They were disputing who was the best of them. They're having this debate, and then the Lord Jesus, after that debate, singles out Simon. So it's in the context of that debate as to who was the greatest that he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Peter has pride. 
And we see it in his boast. Right after that, Luke twenty-two thirty-three, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. That was there already in Peter before Satan did anything. Satan used what was already there. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 26, 41 says to his disciples, the flesh, or so the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. His disciples were caught napping. They were not ready to resist temptation. They were not praying. They were not seeing that their flesh was part of the problem, their sinful nature. And Satan uses that against them. And we all have that. You know, we go into a situation thinking that we're, we're more than we actually are. We, we may think, I'm strong enough. You know, I can, I can watch those kind of movies. I'm, I know it's a problem for some people, but I... I'm discerning, I'm strong enough, or I can go to those websites, I can do the gambling thing, I can, I can drink excessively, I know when to say when, I can watch this TV show, I can go here, I can do this with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, you know, I can have this kind of relationship with my boss or my employee or my coworker. it's not going to... It's not going to threaten me. I'm strong enough. And Satan uses that. We get caught napping, like the disciples, like Peter in Luke 22. And our own flesh attacks us. Or we do it a little differently. We allow our sinful tendencies an opportunity. How often do we not do this? There's something we know is wrong. There's a path that we see the doorway to and we know we shouldn't go down. But, oh, just a little way. I can go down that path. I'll indulge it for a little while. There's a famous prayer from Augustine that he speaks of in his confessions. You may recall the story of Augustine. He, was, he became one of the greatest theologians of the church. But before he came to Christ, he was, lived an incredibly sinful life. He had mistresses. He had an illegitimate child. He was caught up in that. And he slowly came to Christ, but he didn't want to leave behind that life he had. And he prayed. Looking back, he said, what I was really praying is this, grant me chastity, Lord, but not yet. Not yet. And how often do we say that? Deliver me from the evil I know I'm doing, but not yet. Let me have it a little longer, but pull me back in time. We enjoy the sinful activity just a little too much to give it up. That's part of our flesh. That's part of our enemy. And in this prayer, in this petition, we acknowledge that, that this enemy is there. We go into the battle with the full armor of God. But in this petition, we know that the first place we look is inside the armor. We look at ourselves. That's where an enemy is as well. 
Now, the point of the illustration that Paul uses in Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, is not that we can somehow take on this external armor of God, be wrapped in the things of God, but remain unchanged inside. Now, the point is that we are changed as we put on the armor. And so this prayer, the sixth petition, goes to the very heart of who we are. It is a prayer that we be changed. It is a prayer that we do not give in to our sinful flesh, but that we live more and more by the Spirit. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one is a prayer that is made knowing the weakness of our flesh. We pray this petition knowing who we are. We pray it knowing that in ourselves we are too weak. As we realize our own weakness, we need to be concerned about something that we can also do here in relation to our flesh. And that is that we resolve ourselves to our fate. How often do we not do that? We we are so focused on being sinners, but we are somehow in an odd way content with that. We fall and we say piously, I am a sinner. I am such a sinner, I know. But what can I do? I'm a sinner. I can't stand against him. I'm too weak. I can't do it. If you hear that in this petition, you're not hearing it rightly. This petition does not push us to be helpless, to be inactive. No, it pushes us to see that we are to look to God for our strength. It pushes us to see that by the Spirit... We can withstand our enemies. We can withstand our flesh. We can withstand the world. We can withstand the devil. We are not without help in this spiritual battle. We do not need to go down to defeat every time. We fight the battle to win, but we know that we can't win it on our own strength. What does Paul say in Ephesians 6.10? Be strong, not in ourselves. No, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. So by the Spirit, make this prayer. Make this request of your Father. He tells you to make this request. He's given you this petition to make. Look to the Spirit and pray to be changed. Pray to be equipped. Pray that you be saved from the enemy. That your flesh be changed. Philippians 3.10, that our flesh be changed, that Christ would change our lowly flesh to be like his glorious body, to be like him. So pray this petition and may God turn your trials into his victories. Amen. Let us now respond to the proclamation of the word by singing together hymn 55, the stanzas 1, 2, and 3.